Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick. Well, NFTs, or non-fungible tokens, have been a revelation and they are set to grow in popularity over the next few months as they become more mainstream. Maddie Soudiger from DCL Blogger was talking about NFTs before they were on many people's radar and he joins me from Australia now to discuss this phenomenon. Maddie, start by explaining, what are non-fungible tokens? Non-fungible tokens, I try not to get too nerdy and technical with the explanation, but... uh, If you were to think fungible tokens currently refer to general cryptocurrencies, so things like Bitcoin and Ethereum and any cryptocurrency you can think of comes under the fungible token category. Basically, these are tokens, these are numbers that exist on the blockchain, right? The other side of that is non-fungible tokens. These tokens are unique. So fungible tokens means that each token can be traded equally. So one Bitcoin to another Bitcoin, half an Ethereum to another half an Ethereum, no matter when that was mined, it could have been mined 10 years ago. It could have been you know, found yesterday in someone's wallet. They, they have the same value when traded among each other. That's what makes it fungible. So non-fungible tokens are tokens that exist on the blockchain. So numbers or IDs or tokens that are all unique in nature and point to something. So they can point to anything digital like art. Um, They can point to virtual land, they can point to music, and suddenly digital items have now become tradable because you can peg or, you know, merge this token to something digital, like a digital piece of art, and suddenly the owner of that token becomes the owner of that art piece. And I do want to speak to you about the ecosystem that surrounds those NFTs as well, but let's start by talking about how an NFT is actually created. So an NFT is created by minting it on the blockchain. So the blockchain is basically a spreadsheet that's held together by the community. And I know it's kind of weird to put that into perspective, but the power of the blockchain is that there's no central authority that manages that spreadsheet or that ledger. Now, a a blockchain, what it does is it opens up so that everyone's kind of creating this this chain of um, security and trust that they're all creating this this kind of uh, managing the spreadsheet equally so no one can hack it. Uh, and that transaction is confirmed and displayed publicly. So anyone, so now when, you know, on the blockchain, when there's a transaction, anyone can check it publicly. And, and if you, Carl, tell me it didn't happen, I can just point to the blockchain and say, well, here it is. Publicly, look here. You know, my money has gone into your wallet. So, minting an NFT is basically creating that NFT on the blockchain. Basically, you can go to a marketplace like um, OpenSea or SuperRare or um, Rarible, and some of these marketplaces that allow you to, at a very basic level, communicate with the blockchain, and you do what's called minting of the NFT token, and basically just upload the image. Um, set your parameters of what you'd like to that token to represent visually and what what you'd like coded into that NFT so that other platforms can read that. And uh, yeah, you basically press confirm and it mints the NFT on the blockchain. So basically now that NFT is created and that's yours. And of course, NFT really raised its profile with the sale of a $69 million piece by Beeple at a Christie's auction, which was a first of its kind back in March of this year. Provide us with an insight into that, please, Matty. Yes, yeah, so that sale happened, um, you know, 
the NFT industry has been growing steadily three years before that as well. So I think, you know, a sale like that definitely put uh, NFTs on the main stage. So that was a sale by um, a artist who's named as Beeple, and Beeple comes from, you know, decades of, of work as a digital artist. Um, he has uh, a thing called everyday art and he's been doing everyday art for over 10 years i think 12 13 years so an art piece a day he's been uploading um onto his instagram every single day uh for that much time so he kind of changed the game when he came to the nft scene even before march i think sometime in december when he did an nft drop um and so he minted nfts and he made them available but when he did that, he also packaged it up with something physical. So not only were you buying a digital piece, but you were also buying this physical collectible box that came with a digital screen. It came with like a collectible coin, a couple of different things. And he bridged the gap. And not only were NFTs starting to be understood by kind of the crypto natives, but they were understood by the broader non you know, digital, non-NFT, non-crypto crowd, the physical um, you know, followers of people who are non-crypto natives. So then they also understand, and that drop ended up doing millions. And that was a record back then. I think it did like $3.5 million as a whole. And for us in the NFT industry, that was a, a huge record. The Christie's auction happened. And, you know, that was one of the first times traditional artists, uh, traditional collectors started to pay attention to the NFT industry. And this was the first NFT only auction at Christie's, so that went for, like you said, $69 million, and it was fought over by a very famous personality called Justin Sun, who is the founder of the Tron Network, and also Metacoven, who is um, a pretty big investor in this space, who's been a NFT advocate for a very long time, or a Bitcoin advocate, uh, a crypto advocate in general for a very long time. And Maddie, if somebody is interested in investing in NFTs, what are the steps that they need to take? So the road isn't clear for anyone. You know, the space is so new that the re- that everyone's kind of figuring out their own path to do things. Um, NFTs as a broad sector, I think it's just going to take, def- you know, I think you'd have to just mark out four to five weekends to really dive deep into this space and, and realize what the hell is going on, right? You need to know <laughs> what what this digital space is, is doing and, what NFTs even mean, and, and I think it'll take a couple of weekends for it to make sense. But I do a lot of YouTube research into NFTs. Um, I have a tutorial section called uh, 14 Tutorial Videos Going Through the History of NFTs and How They Started, What They Mean, and all that. Uh, you can find that on DCL Blogger. But along with that, there's plenty of other video breakdowns as to what NFTs are. And then I think it's just a matter of finding projects that you like. So you can go to OpenSea. .io or OpenSea.com, I'm not sure, but it ranks all of the NFT projects. So you can jump in and, and click the projects that you think you may be interested in, from games to collectible projects, and then jump into the discords and ask questions with the community. Each um, NFT project is vastly different. It's kind of like the real world, right? It's kind of like trying to learn, you know, Pokemon card collecting, card baseball card collecting, vintage card collecting, the real estate market. You're you're learning like all these investor sectors at once. You can imagine how overwhelming that may be. So I would definitely just take 
you know, a couple of months to just really absorb it in and then start to dive deep where you feel comfortable and start to start spending some money. And I would be quite cautious at the start as well. NFTs are so new. They're also, they're exciting, but they're also high risk. You may be putting your money into something that at some point might uh, lose liquidity and people may move on to the next shiny thing and suddenly all you're left with is just, uh, you know, some some stuff that you bought uh, that you just can't sell. So really know your community, really know the size of the market that is already invested um, and, yeah, take it from there. And, of course, the ecosystem surrounding NFTs is complex and something that people should take the time to understand. But is it true to say that crypto is the preferred currency when purchasing or trading NFTs? Some projects like NBA Top Shot that, that has made uh, NBA highlights collectible um, as NFTs available. There's also on Nifty Gateway, they also have a fiat on-ramp so you can buy with crypto and you can buy with the credit card. So I think as we move mainstream, there'll be more uh, fiat on-ramp. Okay, and of course, we're looking at the process by which you actually buy cryptocurrency using sites like Coinbase and others, and then from there having to go off and create a public wallet. Talk to us about how that works. Mm, Yeah, if you want to figure out that process, basically you can sign up to your local cryptocurrency exchange. So that would that would change based on where you're located. In, in my country, it's CoinSpot. Uh, in Australia, in, in many places, it can be Coinbase or Binance. Um, you can buy some Ethereum from there and then you can transfer that to what's called a digital wallet. So a digital wallet is kind of like a Chrome browser. Well, it is a Chrome browser plugin and it plugs into your, your, your browser and it, it reads from the blockchain and picks up your assets. And you can send your Ethereum to this digital wallet um, that will always be logged in on your browser. And whichever platform you go to, you can start to spend that money. So you can go to Nifty Gateway. Nifty Gateway will pick up that you have you know 10 Ethereum into your wallet, which is you know, thirty to $40,000. And you can spend that on Nifty Gateway. And if you were to go to some other project like uh, Decentraland and in that digital wallet you have the mana token or Ethereum then you can spend it in Decentraland uh, and, and you can start to engage with these what we, we're calling Web3 uh, the, you know you can, you can start to engage with Web3 which is basically blockchain enabled uh, websites. And Matty of course Ethereum, the cryptocurrency Ethereum has been closely linked to NFTs because of its programmable ability to create smart contracts what are smart contracts and how do they play a role with NFTs? So smart contracts, they kind of allow trustlessly trading between multiple parties and they allow you to code certain rules. So when certain conditions are met, um, you know, transactions happen or, or certain assets are released. So it's, it's pretty cool because, um, you know, I can trade with someone absolutely anonymous overseas who he can list an item, a digital item for sale uh, for 400, you know, mana or say one Ethereum. And uh, if I like what his offer is, I can click buy and the smart contract will execute the transfer of um, the goods. So it'll automatically switch um, the NFT into my wallet and take what I agreed to from my wallet and put it into his wallet. So if you think of that process, um, that's actually not possible in the traditional world because you, you need an escrow to confirm that both the people have these assets and it's trusted by a single party and then that party distributes it. But that all happens 
by what's called the smart contract that executes this based on the conditions met. So, you know, the smart contract can be done, can be really played with. So suddenly I can, you know, have employees and um, I can say, well, you know, every 30 days, uh, let the smart contract unlock one Ethereum to be claimed by the uh, employee. And if the employee owns an employee contract in the form of an NFT, then they have the ability to claim that uh, once 30 days is up. So then suddenly every 30 days, they can kind of pay themselves, right? So we can do all this really cool stuff with smart contracts. And that's why this Ethereum developer community is going crazy because it's just so fun to experiment with and start to see where we can kind of do things that previously required trust, previously required many, many middlemen to make happen. Uh, now these smart contracts can automatically execute certain things based on you know, certain conditions. And bearing in mind NFTs are still in their infancy, but in your opinion, from a smart contracts perspective, what industries and sectors are going to be most disrupted in this area over the coming years? I think, uh, you know, traditionally people were very, very excited about the gaming industry being being uh, disrupted by NFTs. And one of the reasons for that is because, um, you know, gaming already has a massive, a big tradition of people spending, you know, billions of dollars per annum on skins and items and, and guns and all sorts of in-game items, like from app purchases to Fortnite skins, people spend money in games. Um, now, why not have them as NFTs that not only can you buy them, but you can trade them. So not only the name on your head, but your identity can be traded, your whole account can be traded as an NFT, your items can be traded. Not only that, but your items can be taken to another game or another platform entirely built by another game developer who who accepts those NFTs in its in different forms. So say it's a gun in one game, it could be a shield in another game. And suddenly these games or these platforms, because you have that digital wallet that you can um that that can be read by any platform you take it to, uh, suddenly game developers can can share communities. So I think this is a, a really cool, uh, it's called interoperability, and in, in, interoperability will take some time to come into fruition. But I think gaming is really going to start to see this stuff um, take form. I think uh, anything ownable, so basically any policy or any contract that dictates that Maddie owns this house, or I own this car, or anything like that, can can really be represented as an NFT. So I think the the legal world, the financial world, the real estate market, you know, not only can you purchase these NFTs that represent ownership of different things, but you can start to integrate them in smart contracts and whatever projects that build themselves on Ethereum. So suddenly, you know, there's a big boom in decentralized finance where people are taking loans on their Bitcoin. Um, so they're plugging their Bitcoin or, or locking their Bitcoin on a smart contract, using that as collateral to withdraw um, U.S. dollars. And then um, and when they return those U.S. dollars, they can withdraw that Bitcoin again. So, you know, people doing that is going around the traditional r- the route of having KYC done, of, of of having like a good score, a credit rating and everything. They just need to have Bitcoin and they can do that all trustlessly. So having NFTs um, in there where, you know, you've taken your house, maybe your house is represented as an NFT, and maybe you can use your house or, or that NFT contract as collateral 
um, and, and borrow a loan against it. So there's all these, or maybe you can even fractionalize it. People are fractionalizing their NFTs. So suddenly you can buy, you know, a, 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 a um, one of 10,000 pieces of an NFT where someone has locked it up in a, in a contract and has issued 10,000 fragments or fractions of it as ERC-20 fungible tokens. And you can start to, you can buy a share of it, obviously for much less, um, so all these things become possible when you start to, I guess, tokenize um, assets. So I think the financial world, the legal world, gaming and art, and literally everything the internet touches is going to do something with the NFT space. Well, if you've just tuned in, that was Matty Sodiger from DCL Blogger, and we will certainly watch with interest to see how NFTs and smart contracts revolutionise the world of business going forward. Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick.